What's up, everybody? Lucas here. We got a great episode for you today. Uh, talked a little bit of this awesome Nintendo Direct June news that happened uh, actually just this morning. And uh, we got an awesome interview for you guys, too, with uh, the guys at Daylight Basement. Yep, that's right. We interviewed Daylight Basement. They have a roguelite game coming out called Rightfully Barry Arms. Shout out to the developers, Christopher and uh, Michael, for taking the time to interview with us. Really excited for you all to hear the interview, so make sure you stick around. Stick with us here on Thanks for Playing. Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! Standing up and everything too. I did. I did. I don't have my standing desk up right now, but I just felt the need to be uh, standing at that particular moment. Uh, we got a fun one for you today, everyone. We're going to start by going over the Nintendo Direct, but make sure you stick around. At the end of the episode, we have a really cool interview coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll Great enjoy interview. it. We'll put the we'll put the timestamp in the show notes there in case you're here just for the interview. I want to make sure you know where to find that. So look forward to that with the good folks over at Daylight Basement making a game called Rightfully Bury Arms. But Lucas, um, I didn't even realize today we had <laughs> Nintendo Direct. A Nintendo Dude, Direct. Okay. Was it just me or like did anybody else out there like I saw like the announcement for the Nintendo Direct June 21st and in my head I was like, oh, like two weeks from now. Cool. And like I read that tweet on like like two days ago like i just like i don't know yeah. why but uh, june 21st sounded so much further away and then uh luckily in the discord this morning hot mickey was all over it with the breaking news he was and there was a lot of really cool announcements a lot of meh kind of lukewarm announcements in lucas's opinion um and then some some pretty hype ones some stuff that's going to be coming around the corner that i actually think i'm pretty excited about um and like typical nintendo fashion it's like kind of awkward at times as a general <laughs> presentation but we could talk about that a little bit more yeah real quick before we get into it everyone as always follow the podcast at tfe podcast that at, that's at tfe podcast with an s at the end or go to our website thanks for playing dot live you can find um, a link to our discord on the website or if you go to the link tree and any of our social media handles you find the link to that as well or shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com and I'll personally send you back an invite to the Discord. And as well, send us some uh, send us some questions. Let us know what's cracking, what you're wondering about the podcast or any just gaming questions in general, really. We mm-hmm. do have plans to do a mailbag episode near here in the near future. So look forward to that. But Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you text me this morning about like, hey, so you ready to talk about the direct later? I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> it was my first thought. Like, um, but yeah, we had a we had a direct that happened. Um, real real quick, I, I just want to start with saying, uh, as I was watching some of these trailers before we sat down to record, I've something's I've, for some reason I've never really liked Nintendo directs, and I realize why now. Why I want to hear the guy I, I that narrates the trailers. Just sounds like he's talking down to you. He's a, okay. I was gonna say it's just a TikTok voice, is what it sounds like to me. It sounds like a TikTok voice that's talking down to you, and I fucking wow. hate it. Wow. Yeah. It's like yeah. wow. Check out these cool features. Like it's, I don't know. I, just, I would I hate appreciate. It. I, hate it. I would appreciate them not have a narrator at all. I actually feel like the Nintendo Directs would be a little bit more solid if it was just trailer, trailer, announcement, logo, trailer, logo, like. I, I almost I, don't I feel think that's like... the issue with it because like it's literally just a guy like narrating what's happening in this trailer for you. Like the trailer should be able to speak for itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like coming this soon. Coming coming to your your retailer soon. Amiibo yeah. from Ganondorf and Zelda. Get yours soon. It's like, okay. I don't know. It's just like you could just show the amiibo. I think it would have been like pretty hype if you did that. But hey, real yeah, quick. It's a little awkward. I got a confession for you. All right. I still don't know what an amiibo is. <laughs> okay. Amiibo is... Uh, honestly, I, I don't think that's a that big of a confession. I feel like if we were born maybe, maybe eight years later, amiibo would be a big part of our world. Uh, if we're just like a little bit younger... Um, amiibo is just NFC like chips that live inside of a figure. 
uh, that you that's a collectible figure. So obviously, like the Switch has basically an NFC chip inside the controller. You put the amiibo and touch it to the controller, and it does something that interacts with the game through like near field communication, basically. So, so the it's big just thing, like DLC in physical form. In a way, yeah, there's like amiibos bonus stuff inside of Tears of the Kingdom where you like you can do an amiibo and like it generates like an item for you inside of Tears of the Kingdom, for instance. Um, so Sounds it's always like, like we a, could have just put the item in. Yeah, it's always a it's like supposed to be a quaint little surprise where it's like, oh, I wonder what this amiibo does when it interacts with this video game. Um, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember the um, man? What was that like toy where you would? It was a like a, a very similar toy. It was not a Nintendo toy, but it was big when we were kids. And it was like you could scan barcodes and make your guy more powerful. Yeah, you could like was scan Sky barcodes at the grocery store, I think. Was it Sky something? Oh man. Hopefully we get some. There was one where you literally us. scanned like stuff at this at yeah, at the grocery store. I forget what yeah. it was called, but Yeah, I, I yeah. think so with Amiibo too, like, you know, Amiibo work for Smash, so you can have like a Smash Amiibo and it's like basically an NPC that gets stronger and develops like a higher level as you play with it. So like yeah. there's a low cottage industry of like Amiibo uh, for people to buy. But anyway, let's talk about uh, a little bit of the Super Mario Bros. Wonder, the new uh, 2D Mario game. Honestly, this game looked like really cool. <laughs> I really liked the animation in it. I thought it had so much energy to the trailer. I like, genuinely laughed at a few points in the trailer uh, and it's coming pretty soon, coming October 20th, 2023. Um, it features new power-ups, obviously new levels, looks like a newer engine, uh, and it is also multiplayer, and you can play as Luigi, Toad, Princess Peach, and Daisy, and Yoshi. So, pretty big stuff here. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, With the last major like, 2D release they had was just Mario Maker, right? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a, yeah. a long time, actually, since there's been like a proper 2D Mario uh, game. And honestly, I'm not sure if you ever really played like I played a lot of new Super Mario Bros series. So the multiplayer versions of Super Mario Bros um, played those a lot in high school at sleepovers and stuff like that. And I, I really enjoy these games. And I feel like there is if you just look at the trailer, there are so many ideas that are coming forth here. Pipes are yeah. coming alive, um, like different animations with the castle, water levels, like flying power ups, like bonuses. Like there just looks like there's so many things going on in this game. So um, excited for it. It's Mario, baby. Mario. Um, next one's big. I don't remember if it was you or Mickey that would always rave about hot Mickey that always rave about this game, actually. But Hopefully they're remaking was it you? Yeah, the yeah, remaking the Super Mario RPG, and apparently it's like a pretty, actually, like a good RPG, right? Yeah, yeah. This game is sick. So um, I would love if it if it times out right. This is November. There'll be a lot of games to play this November, but uh, I would love to do this in some way, shape, or form for TFP. Like Super Mario RPG was an RPG that was a collaboration back in the '90s between SquareSoft, which is Square Enix at the time, and Nintendo. And it was a proper JRPG, turn-based Mario game. Um, it's somewhat been like, I'm not going to say lost to history. It's definitely had like a cult following over the last like generation or so as people that played this game have kind of reached like, you know, mid-30s, late-40s and stuff. And it was genuinely a really, really sick game with like amazing music, a really cool storyline. You actually get Bowser in your party in this game. Um, because the villain is a giant sword that kicks Bowser out of his castle, um, a dude named Smithy. Um, so it's a it's a really cool game. Honestly, the graphics look really great on it. I I really like it. Um, and the music sounded really, really good. The trailer itself was cool because it kind of like showed the old style and then went into the new style look. And um, yeah, I think I think I'll really dig this one. I'm honestly pretty excited for you. For I mean, I'll probably check it out. But whenever you describe this game to me, I'm like, yeah, it's probably. I always thought it was like me how I feel about like Mario Tennis. You know, well, you're not a JRPG mode. guy, too. That's true. Well, I liked Chrono Trigger. That counts, right? Is that the only JRPG you've played, though? I don't think that Kingdom Hearts counts. So yes, it does. Yeah. Well, I'm talking like straight traditional turn based. You know. Gotcha. RPG. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like Pokemon. Big... You're Sometimes. not a big. <laughs> you like Pokemon. What's the last Pokemon game you played? I actually have the most recent one. I only put a couple hours into it though. But um, oh, okay. 
No, I just always assumed like this was probably a cool game, but also Nintendo would be like, yeah, we're never going to do that again kind of thing. Um, just because I feel like that's kind of the, their energy. But yeah. hey, they're, they're remaking it. So that's cool. There, there are also two characters that are probably now going to end up like in some way or shape form to be in like more Nintendo stuff, which is Malo and Gino. Those were like two. They're in the trailers. Gino was looking. in Project M. Oh yeah, <laughs> modded in a project. I think that was like one of the characters that would have been released if three point if they didn't get the basically the season, season assist at three point six. Yeah. Um, is Gino original to this game? This is where they come from. Yep, Gino. And Gino is okay. uh, basically Pinocchio in Super Mario RPG, and he has like a gun arm. That's sick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's kind of cool. Um, speaking of Pokemon, Detective Pikachu two. Yeah. Did you expect this one? I forgot there is the first one on. Did you did you see the movie? No, I was actually hoping you've seen the movie so you can comment. On I, the have. Movie. I have. Okay, C- can you can um, you comment on the movie and also potentially comment on this this announcement here? It's fun. It's like it's the closest thing we have to a good like early. I guess the only like live action Pokemon film we have, and considering what Pokemon is like the nature of it, um, like in practice, I think they actually did a pretty solid job of it all things considered um i don't think these that all tie into the movie at all or vice versa but um hey i like detective games and i haven't played either of them so maybe i'll check it out you know if if, and it's not gonna be like ace attorney but uh (laughs) or latent if it is or latent but hey if it is that'd be cool side note too real quick um I was watching these trailers on the IGN website, so there's like a little ad before everything. And God, I've seen, I know you're not a Chris Nolan guy, but I've seen the trailer for Oppenheimer like 20 times now, and it looks I'll, so good. I'll end, up seeing, I'll end up seeing the movie and getting into debates with people on Letterboxd for sure. There's so many actors in this movie that like are names you would know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He gets, good, he gets a lot of big actors. Josh Peck is in there. That's huge. <laughs> That's the one you name? Not like, isn't Florence Pugh in it or Cillian Murphy? Florence Pugh, um, but Jack Quaid, who I like personally. Matt Damon? Uh, Matt Damon, but no, Josh Peck's the name that gets my attention. Dang it, man. I wish they got um, Drake in there too. Could have been a reunion. Yeah, I was watching, uh, some meme came up where it had like the format of when they get stuck in the treehouse. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And, I was just like, man, I feel that's in, in some ways that's kind of that's kind of me and Lucas in the tree, <laughs> Drake and Josh, just like that that dynamic sometimes. Okay, you know? okay, okay. I'm gonna say on at on three, we're gonna say who we think the other person is in in the Drake and Josh dynamic. Okay, okay. Uh, you say who you are. I'll say who I am. Okay. Who I say who I am. Yeah, and I'll say who I am. Okay. One, two, three. Josh Drake. Yeah, all right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, right, cool. Um, all right. Moving on from Detective. That was our te- Detective Pikachu segment, by the way, everyone. I thought I was Josh, but then I just like rehashed some of the arguments you and I have had in the past. And I was like, nah, I'm Drake. You're definitely Drake. Um, <laughs> okay. Metal Gear Solid Collection Volume 1 confirmed for Nintendo Switch, um, which includes a lot of things. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3, which were released on PlayStation back in the day. Uh, and then like a digital book and even like some of the really old NES versions of the Metal Gear of the Metal Gear series back when it was just called Metal Gear. Um, I think this will be really great on Switch. Totally going to get this one. Yeah, I- I'm down to check it out. I've still never played a Metal Gear game, actually. So I'm very open to this one. Yeah. Um, next, we got The Legend of Zelda Tears of Amiibo. Kind of already talked about amiibos. Um, I mean, do you do you care about this? Uh, I mean, I honestly the Ganon ami- amiibo I, I do like. I really do like this iteration of Ganon, so I might get that one. Um, I'm not an amiibo collector at all, so I think for amiibo people out there, this is very exciting stuff. But um, just just not in the camp. Not I'm excited camp. for this there next one though, dude. WarioWare Move It for Nintendo Switch coming November third. Have you played any WarioWare game? I played the one on the Nintendo DS a bit. Yeah. WarioWare Touched? That yeah, game slapped. Yeah. That game was good. So WarioWare is... I love WarioWare so much. This game is like super, super hilarious. It's like one of the funniest Nintendo games like series that they've ever made. Um, the art in it, like the art style, just the zaniness, the chaos is like what you're there for. And 
I remember thinking like when I was younger, you know, that Mario Party was a huge series and somebody was like, oh yeah, WarioWare, it's like Mario Party, but the games are five seconds each. And I'm like, what? Basically. No way. And this one, I know it's like a big motion control game, but honestly, I was like looking at what's what they got going on there and uh, I think I'm going to get this one. I think I'm going to get this one. I'm going to move the couch to the side and I'm going to have some people over playing some WarioWare this fall. Hell yeah. It's a big one. Uh, what's next? I lost my spot. Pikmin um, 4. Never played a Pikmin either. I know a lot of people love it. I think it'll be cool for them. I like the concept of the character, like in practice, Yeah, you know? But uh, I've never played the game, so. Pikmin is great. Um, this this revealed actually a lot. There's um, a new kind of multiplayer mini game situation going on. There looks to be some sort of really interesting crafting system in there as well. And it looks like they're going a little bit more open world with the game, which I think is really interesting. You could do like night expeditions now in the new Pikmin. Um, and there is going to be basically uh, a companion that follows you around that you'll be able to do like some additional sort of sort of stuff with. Um, and there's also a brand new Pikmin that they're releasing called Glow Pikmin, uh, which I don't we don't really know what they do yet. Uh, I'm, I've played all Something three Pikmin. Good. Big fan. So I'm excited for this one. Uh, it is a July 21 release date. So it's next month. Yes. All right. And then they're releasing um, the HD versions of Pikmin 1 and Pikmin 2, which is pretty cool, I think. Uh, something I've noticed about Nintendo they do that is just, I think, neat is the like will announce and release games the same day of their directs sometimes. Mm-hmm. Granted, from what I've noticed, it's usually remasters or HD upscaling to some effect. Like I think that's what they did with the Metroid thing. That is, is that what right? they did, yeah. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, and honestly, this is this is cool because it's like Pikmin one and Pikmin two are not too long of games, and I think people will be able to play these in anticipation for July, the July twenty first release of Pikmin four, and they're doing the digital version on the eShop now, and then physical versions for both games will be released September twenty second. Um, so I think uh, Nintendo's kind of taking full advantage of where the economy and where like sort of the ecosystem is at right now. You know, why not release the game? It's ready. Put it digitally. And then, you know, collectors, people can go get the physical copies later. I think that's pretty good. I agree. I agree. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet are getting some expansions slash DLC. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I have touched a little bit of Scarlet. I have Scarlet. Yeah, I was going to say, which one you got? (laughs) Uh, Scarlet. I've played around with that a bit. Um you know in practice those games are really cool i think in particular because it truly is like a a proper open world pokemon game um that said you know it it, it definitely has a lot of flack for not running great which even in my limited time with i definitely noticed uh which is kind of a bummer but i'm glad that those that are enjoying it get to enjoy it more um looks like there's gonna be some new areas and i think i saw like a new pokemon something having to do with like masks which is like you know, they just keep teal mask, keep pushing the boundaries. Yeah, the and the teal indigo mask. disc or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty cool for you Pokemon fans out there. I'm sure very very excited. I'm not super into Pokemon, so can't comment too much. I will say, upon looking at the trailer, it really doesn't doesn't look that great I, visually. I'm the game looks fun, whatever things look fun, but man, yeah, visually some of that gameplay doesn't look great. Um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Adds a new course alongside Petey Piranha, Wiggler, and Kamek. Uh, I'm personally very invested in Mario Kart 8. I love Mario Kart 8. I have the expansion pack. Um, and this is the new wave of uh, courses that are coming out. They showed one course, which was a little underwhelming. It's like a, it's called like Squeaky Clean Sprint. It's basically you in a miniature version or everyone's like a miniature version inside of like a bathroom uh, flying around and racing. I don't know. It didn't, didn't look that cool in terms of courses, uh, but I am excited for whatever they release in the next wave as well. So very interested in Mario Kart 8. Excited for a uh, PD Piranha. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're going to be a PD Piranha main. That seems like oh, your absolutely. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon Remaster. Luke is 
Luigi's Mansion is actually a blind spot for me. What about you? So I love I love Luigi's Mansion one. I've beaten it multiple times. Um, and the newest Luigi's Mansion, uh, Luigi's I think it's just Luigi's Mansion three on Switch. Uh, I that has won like BAFTA awards. That game is apparently fantastic. In fact, I've been really toying with just getting it and playing it because I really do like Luigi's Mansion as a series. Uh, and this was a big blind spot. A lot of 3DS stuff is a little bit blind spot for me. And Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon was a 3DS game, and now it's getting a remaster. Um, so looks pretty cool. Uh, it was a 2013 game, so I think it's kind of in the right zone for a remaster. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, people are going to be pretty excited. I'm personally going to get this one. Love it. Uh, Vampire Survivors. Yeah, how you feel about this it's one? It's like a fun... Uh... It's like a fun couch co-op game. It reminds me of I made a game with zombies yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, And that was a cool game. And I've always kind of liked this style of game where it's like you use one analog stick to move and the other one is like your um, like top down then use the other analog stick to aim and shoot. I've always enjoyed that kind of general format, yeah. which is actually kind of the format of the game we're talking about later today in, in, in this Rifle episode rightfully bury, yeah. bury arms um so look forward to that but i mean i think this looks cool yeah. um yeah i I'm, I'm for it i'm for these kind of games it's simple not over complicated it's just a gamer's game that's yeah. the best way i would describe it yeah maybe we yeah. just end up playing this one on a random friday um couch co-op you know for up to four players chaos all around and uh kind of a throwback uh nes looking art style which uh I personally really like. Speaking of couch co-op, really looking ahead here, but I'm already looking forward to October Sonic. when we do our annual horror, horror. No, October for the horror games. Oh we do. yeah, yeah. Oh man, couch co-op horror game. What are we gonna do this time? Are we gonna do another? I don't know. We're gonna do another shitty. Uh, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forget the name of the developer, but we're gonna do another freaking. Why well, can't I... until dawn? Until game. Yeah, yeah, until dawn or whatever. I forget the developer off the top of my head, but that's, that's all right. Uh, Square Enix revealed officially um, Dragon Quest, The Dark Prince, Dragon Quest Monsters, The Dark Prince, uh, releasing on December 1st. Essentially, Dragon Quest meets Pokemon. Uh, I've actually, you know, there's a lot of games I would play, especially Nintendo guys, honestly, and guys and girls. I mean, I'm not a big Dragon Quest. Not I'm not a huge Dragon Quest person yeah. either, just to be clear. I think Dragon Quest is actually a little bit more niche than people give it credit for. But it's coming. It is. So look forward to that. Yeah. Sonic Superstars. Let's go. Yeah, I'm excited for Sonic. Multiplayer. Uh, they showed you all. You also can play as four different characters, Sonic, Tails, Knuckles and Amy. Uh, and they also revealed some things. They said that there's going to be secret, si hidden secrets in the levels, new power-ups. Um, honestly, I cannot believe that they're doing four-player co-op in a Sonic game. That just sounds like pure chaos. I think it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> I think it's going to be super funny. Uh, I'm excited for it, honestly. I hope I hope you play it because uh, I know you're not super high on Sonic, but uh, I am. Uh, we'll play the Batman Arkham Trilogy <laughs> real quick. Here's what I think is going to happen with Sonic Co-op. It's the same thing that happened to me when I played Mario Co-op with friends, like with some of the the Wii Mario games. Is one person just goes way far ahead of everybody else on screen, pulls the screen, and everybody else is just getting mad at that person. <laughs> Unless it's split screen, which also will be wonky if it's like four players split screen. Yeah, I don't know what the format will be, but I guess we'll see. Uh, Batman Arkham Trilogy is coming to Nintendo Switch. So I've only played Arkham Asylum. I've played s some of Arkham Asylum and a little bit of Arkham City. Uh, I mean, these are well-renowned games, and they're all considered to be very, very good, so that's awesome. That said, I'm, I'm questioning how well the Switch will be able to run them, but, uh, you know, they put The Witcher on the Switch, The Witcher 3. So <laughs> yeah, sure I was going to say, I, I think... We'll find a way to make it work. I think it'll be fine. I mean, when did Arkham Arkham Asylum? Wasn't that a like PS3 era game? I mean, we can certainly. It run was it. man, but but those games are like surprisingly ahead of their time graphically. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, this one, 2009 game. This one's cool. 
Uh, Star Ocean, the second story, announced for 2023. So Star Ocean, the second story, is actually a JRPG released for the PlayStation in 1998. And they confirmed they will be doing a remake of it in 2D, 3D HD. Um, so kind of similar graphic style to, you know, your Octopath Traveler, Octopath Traveler 2, uh, Live Alive, some of these new, like, pixel art HD stuff that they've been doing. But this one actually looks like it has a really interesting blend and a really cool graphic style that I'm pretty into. Um, and it is a sci-fi JRPG that will be available on Switch, PS5, PS4, uh, and Steam on November 3rd. What I do really like that everything is this year. Like, everything is, like, either in the coming months or, like, this fall. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's always a bummer when you hear things coming out, like, two years, three yeah. years. Or, like, when Kingdom Hearts was announced and then it was still, like, another seven years in development. Yeah. Um, Persona 5 Tactica gets a new trailer. We, we um, this game's already been announced yeah. coming the 17th of November. Um I'm sure if you like Persona, you're going to like it. Yeah, I think this is the game. This was like kind of the, I mean, the Game Awards, this was shown and revealed and stuff. And I think just for a lot of Persona people, this is just not, from what I understand, this is just not the Persona thing they're looking for. I think it's just more Persona content, Um, but it is not. They're just milking the Persona 5 IP as much as they can. Yeah, yeah, they they will be. And they'll do it for a while. And I'm sure it's going to be a really cool tactics. I don't know why it's like tactics games have become just like, the next like the genre that you just make a side spin-off thing for it's like Mario and Rabbids which also got a little bit of announcement that we'll be talking about here like Mario and Rabbids even though that is like a pretty big triple a game it's it's not like a mainline game it doesn't have kind of the prestige of like a mainline Mario game you know and this persona yeah, one might yeah. might go the same way uh we got myth for i actually i think this one looks pretty cool myth force um Coming to the Switch in 2023, no exact release date, but I, I think this looks really cool. It's a first-person roguelike, kind of like cartoony game. I'd never watched Myth Force. Did you, Lucas? I did not. Yeah, so never watched it, but first-person melee roguelike. I think it's a co-op, as I understand it as well. I mean, that's sounds cool. I, and then, uh, I mean, if this is like a Left 4 Dead style first person thing where we're all different classes, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Like, because that's what I, I, I kind of get that vibe. It's not going to be hordes of zombies, but it looks like you're teaming up to fight against like henchmen. Somebody could be a rogue, a knight, like a mage, you know, and like there's boss fights. And I do actually really like the graphical style, too. It's pretty cell shaded and the flames and like certain elements of the graphics are like 2d in a 3d environment. So it looks pretty cool. Um, I just hope that it's, uh, I always hope it's good. <laughs> I really like the, the cell shading style. Yeah. The cell shading, cell shading on this one looks pretty good. And those, those 2d elements that they're incorporating there are, are pretty sick too. So yeah. I'm into it. Uh, real quick. Um, let's pick like five more. Yeah, wrap it up there. <laughs> There's not a ton after this. Yeah. I mean, we got Just Dance. You want you want to comment on Just Dance 2024? Let's just do. What is there? Why are you ignoring Just Dance? Can... Why you want to move past it so fast? <laughs> well, we can do. We'll do Just Dance, Palea. Um, I'm sure you want to talk about Gloomhaven. I do. I, I um, have one word on so Gloomhaven. So go for it. All right. Hit us. Well, hit us with the next one. Okay. That's not Just Dance. We'll do Just Dance. <laughs> I have no comment here. I've played Just Dance at a party once, and it was it's the most awkward thing you can do in front of people. Like, I think it's going to be in the Olympics or something. I know, it's gonna be I in the, know, dude. I'm not the the esport Olympics, but um, got that to look forward to. There's Palea coming out soon, everyone. Um, I was watching the trailer. It kind of just looks like Animal Crossing, but more humanoid to me. Um. Some people might like that. And, you know, I know the sim genre is really big for some people. So I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy this one, assuming it's good. Uh, it's free to play. So, you know, look out for some microtransactions in there, I'm sure. But uh, I mean, hey, it's free to play. Yeah, I, uh, deal. I am noticing cozy is becoming a real like term, like a bona fide 
term in the canon of video games like cozy is is huge so this is like a big selling point this is a cozy game everybody same thing with that other one Fae farm yeah i wanted to ask you are, are you excited about that lucas because i know that that's kind of your wheelhouse i know you're a big stardew fan yes or would you rather just play more stardew yeah exactly i mean some of this stuff looks really cool um i mean it's hard to really tear somebody away from something like stardew for something that stardew like uh, just because like, I, no, I, I mean, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't be so bearish. This, these games do look pretty cool cause they're going to add their own spin. They're going to be different graphic style, but like the thing with like a, a farming sim type game, whether it's Fae farm or like this kind of paleo game is you have to invest a lot of time into your own personal file. You like your save to really have a lot of attachment to it, to grow it, to do the thing. So jumping over to a new game where you have to start fresh from zero does feel a little bit counterintuitive so there is sort of like a captive customer idea with some of these cozy games but i'm glad that they're making more I, i'll tell you stardew valley like this is the generation following stardew valley where they've clearly been inspired by the success of that game you know and now like cozy game is a term and these like developers have you know, used all the tools at their disposal to generate stuff that's basically Stardew Valley, but a little bit different. But it is the reference yep. point, which uh, I find very interesting and a lot of credit to Stardew for that. Everyone loves Cozy. Uh, Headbangers actually looks kind of cool. I thought I'm shit at rhythm games, but like, <laughs> I think it looks cool. Yeah. Um, you want to describe rhythm... this one real quick for people? Basically, it's just you're in a lobby, as I understand it, with 29 people. And then over the course of 20 like musical minigames, more people will get eliminated um, until there's eventually last one standing. Um, probably best way to describe it would be like Fall Guys, but it's musical yeah. instead of an obstacle course or obstacle courses, um, rhythm games. So I think rhythm, it looks cool Rhythm-based battle royale is, is yeah, just which, the same uh, point. Honestly, I'm here for this it. This is going to slap. This will be a fun couple like gaming nights doing this one cuz like <laughs> just just imagine it. Like, you know, it's gaming night with the boys. We're all sitting and like somebody's one like top 2, you know, and then they're just doing some sort of stupid rhythm game and screaming and like they're doing some hype stuff. I think it's going to be cool. I I'm into this one quite a bit. I love it. Uh moving on. Gloomhaven, now Lucas. Yes, I'm sure you have some words here. Gloomhaven brings the beloved board game to Switch. Lucas, I know you're a big Gloomhaven guy. Why don't you tell us a bit about this? So Gloomhaven actually has a digital version of video game Gloomhaven, based on the award-winning, absolutely stunning board game Gloomhaven, same name. And this is basically just telling us that they're getting a console version on Switch in September, uh, September 18th to be specific. Uh, 17 characters, over a thousand abilities to use. It's a tactics-based kind of story-heavy, uh, team-based RPG, and I'm excited. You know, I haven't. I've played Gloomhaven, the board game. Really, really, really enjoy it. I think it's one of the finest games ever designed, and I haven't played it digitally. Like, I haven't played the video game version of it, even though it's been out on some other platforms. Or it's been on Steam. I believe, and now it's hitting consoles, including Switch, September 18th. Um, I could be wrong about that one. But either way, I'm excited to get it on Switch. I'll probably try and convince everybody to play it one night, and everyone's going to be wanting to play like Smash or whatever, but I'm going to make everyone play a couple levels of Gloomhaven for sure. I love it. And then we got Manic Mechanics, which is just like a four-player co-op game where you apparently repair cars. <laughs> And then, or vehicles rather, and then Hot Wheels Turbo Unleashed 2. Any comment on Hot Wheels uh, Turbo Unleashed 2? Or uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. Yes, thank you. Uh, I fuck with Hot Wheels, why not? Yeah. <laughs> it, does look really, yeah. it does look really cool. It's just funny. It feels like they're, it's just funny. Because it's like cars on tracks, like they're still small cars racing around like houses and stuff on a track but it looks it looks like they're going pretty fast so i dig it they, they look very fast yeah cool all right anything else on uh, what nintendo had for us today that's all i got honestly um i mean i'm obviously the most excited about things like um 
Super Mario RPG, the new 2D Mario, and probably the Pikmin 4 announcement. Some of this stuff, like Amiibo, cool, whatever. Oh, and WarioWare. Um, and a lot of these other things are just confirmation of stuff coming to Switch, where it was announced previously as going to another console, either this summer or during the Summer Game Fest. Uh, so some of it was just like, a, okay, cool. We, we got confirmation that it's going to be on switch. That's great. Um, but nothing real big, no splashy stuff coming out this time, yeah. except for super Mario RPG, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some fun stuff coming out. I think I'm most excited for Sonic myself, but yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of stuff happening this year in gaming in the next several months, to be honest, especially around like the September, October time. Yeah. So a lot to look forward to. But without further ado, everyone, one of the games Lucas and I are very excited about, Rightfully Bury Arms is coming, um, I believe, early access. I want to say it's like around July 20th, give or take. I could be wrong on that. But uh, we have an interview right now with the Rightfully Bury Arms developers, um, Daylight Basement Studios with uh, Christopher and Michael. So everyone, without further ado, enjoy the interview. Hey everyone, we are here today with another really exciting indie dev interview for you all. We are joined by the developers from Daylight Basement Games, Chris and Mike, who are about to release their game, Rightfully Bury Arms. Chris, Mike, how's it going? Doing well, how about yourself? We are doing fantastic. Super excited to be here with you all. this game looks incredible. We just saw it. I saw it randomly while I was scrolling around on Twitter. And ever since I played Hades, I've been looking for another roguelite to get into that would really kind of scratch that itch. And I'm I'm thinking, I'm hoping, and I'm praying <laughs> this might be it once we hit that early access release. But um, I'm praying too. <laughs> I love it. So most importantly, biggest question for any anyone we have on this podcast, developer or not, Mike, Chris. What are your favorite games of all time? I'll let Mike go first. Uh, favorite games of all... I, I uh, really like uh, uh, mo- most anything uh, Zelda-related. I think it's probably my favorite franchise. Um, I do like uh, a lot of just kind of bil- big exploration-type games. Um, so, like, anything like that at all. Um, and then I think, you know, I do more recently I've been getting into uh, by recent I just mean I guess past just couple few years uh, just different roguelikes uh, if you can imagine that yeah. um, so like games <laughs> totally. like uh, Hades and Enter the Gungeon and Dead Cells uh, stuff nice. like that yeah. nice how many hours of Tears of the Kingdom have you put in so far uh, uh, I, I would say probably uh, close to like maybe 20 or 30 um, nice. I do have you know of course a full time job and then doing game dev too so kind of yeah it's I, the worst I don't think I've really slept you know <laughs> the or so, but. yeah those first couple nights uh, you guys are east coast so I know that the game dropped I think at midnight for you a couple Thursdays ago we were lucky I got it at 9pm so I like had a little bit of extra hours that Thursday to go for it but yeah it's amazing so far uh, Chris what about you man uh, Half-Life series had a huge impact uh, on me growing up. Um, kind of along the same lines, I played Prey a couple of years ago, and that was that's I don't know that was that was a really really good game. And then just this, just last year, I finished up Disco Elysium, and that lives oh, rent free in my mind for yes, dude, ever since yes, finishing that. Same. Yeah. I'll literally, I'll play the Whirling and Rags track, track on yeah. repeat during work, just yeah. <laughs> Some sea power oh. going. Oh my god. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did um, a... Yeah, that's such a good game. Yeah. Love that one. Alright, uh, you want to go for it, Matt, with the uh, inspiration question? Yeah, well, really quickly, because I, I think some of our viewers might not be too, uh, too familiar yet with Rightfully Bury Arms. So, uh, Chris or Mike, you know, if you had to give us like a two or three sentence elevator pitch for this game, um, what would it be? Um, yeah, so it's like a action uh, bullet hell shoot 'em up roguelite. Um, I think we get most compared to visually, like when people see like some gameplay, they, they compare it very quickly to something like Enter the Gungeon or Nuclear Throne, but um, we were, we and we love those kind of bullet hell um, genres, but we were hoping for a little bit more progression and planning and strategy into them. So we took a little bit of like from Hades and Dead Cells, and we tried to put in um, some 
route planning, uh, weapon management, upgrade management, things like that into uh, bullet hells, beloved bullet hells. That's what we've done. So I love it. Awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, super stoked for it. I mean, I think, especially with it mixing in that, the bullet hell elements, it's just going to be a, has the potential yeah. to be a really special game. So, you know, those games that you just listed off, would you say those are the biggest inspirations behind rightfully bury arms or did you pull from anything else or like any other genres? Um, for me, like, I, I feel like just every game I've been playing, there's something that I try to pull from. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's going to sound really weird, but a lot of like, um, are you familiar with the game hunt showdown? Not no. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a, it's a competitive online competitive, um, uh, first person shooter that has nothing to do with roguelites or bullet hills or anything like that. But the way that the design certain like enemies and systems, uh, and, particular like the players uh characters traits um i pulled a lot of um inspiration from how they design those systems and there isn't like a direct like one-to-one when it goes over to uh rightfully bury arms but uh it was it was a lot of my mind while while designing certain systems in, in uh uh um rightfully bury arms uh, yeah but yeah i'm not yeah mike i i think has some other inspirations from his end too so yeah, I think uh, a lot of the early, like when we were conceptualizing uh, and just pulling in different ideas of what we wanted to do, uh, a lot of it, uh, I was playing a lot of uh, the Link's Awakening remake, uh, 2019, around the time. Um, and so just kind of taking, you know, the early the early dungeon, uh, you know, layouts and kind of playing through uh, like that. And then um, FTL was playing that a lot around that time nice. as well. Um, and so it just kind of like had these kind of different ideas about like pulling different elements from both of those and kind of mashing them together. Um, and that's, you know, con- from concept to where we are now, it's it's quite a bit different because, you know, we branched out and, and kind of pulled from all sorts of different inspirations. And I guess like Chris said is, you know, it's not just like, hey, we like this this one game, you know, say like enter the gungeon, let's make a game like this. It's It's more like, you know, we like all these different elements about all these different games. Let's kind of just, you know, mix them in where it's you know appropriate and and maybe even necessary and and uh we just kind of tweak that formula and just and kind of make it you know uh adjust it until it feels right and and so just kind of pulling from everywhere i think yeah really cool it it actually started out probably closer to a binding of isaac clone than any other game and it was like top down 2d the camera would lock to a room and then when you move rooms it would the camera would move over to that room and um yeah we some have some early gifs on uh on our twitter and stuff like that but yeah um, nice um i got a question for you guys so um for for our podcast you know we like to talk to indie devs quite a bit and um you guys are actually the first pair that we've had on this podcast so um i'm wondering you know within the space um you know other people that you talk to and other developers that you speak to it seems like you guys have a 50 50 split i just wonder if you guys can describe like you know what who specializes in what aspect of the development cycle um and how you guys really you know collaborate on things it's always great to have a collaborator so i'd love to hear the process mike mostly clowns around just kidding <laughs> we, um we so i do um all the in-game art and then also coding and then Mike, yeah, picks up a lot of a lot of the other coding elements. And then we both, I, th- I feel like, put a lot of um, input and thought into the design elements of the game. And exactly like sometimes we have some contractors that work with us and interacting with them and trying to figure out the vision, how to fit them in. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, and how I did... primarily focus on, um, yeah, I guess kind of more mechanics and systems. I don't tend to dive into the art really much at all. Um, and Chris focuses more on that and then he'll do coding as well but it tends to be more um weapon or um enemy kind of focused and, and you know different sure. levels and dungeon layouts and things like that gotcha and where did you guys meet up to become collaborators officially ibm <laughs> we, oh yeah we were we were on a software team together and oh. at least for me that's when i realized like as a, as we were talking and we were actually working professionally together it was like oh yeah like i feel like i could work really well with mike on something and we we talked about doing like hobby game dev projects a lot and uh kind of complaining about how we've never taken anything fully we've always started projects and never finished them so <laughs> i was like all right let's maybe try to do something and see where it goes nice nice and the uh the name daylight basement great name by the way where did that <laughs> name come from okay was that mike or was that you chris that was all mike 
Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Daylight Basement Studio. So, uh, I guess the story behind that is there was a there was a podcast I was listening to, and they were uh, interviewing a musician that I, um, you know, that I like, and uh, he was talking about you know when he was in high school and, and kind of his start in, in music and exploring music, and he was in this band, um, you know, with one of his friends, and they used to play in his his parents' Daylight Basement. Um, it was you know. To, to practice for uh, all the different you know their friends and whatnot and just it just kind of there's something about the the words together that just kind of like you know stuck out to me I guess uh, and that was it was just a name you know when we were thinking of names um, for this this the studio or the company um, is one of the names in, in a list of, of several um, and that was one that you know Chris chose over some of the other um, you know far more terrible ones I think. <laughs> <laughs> so a sure funny story about that story is uh, I only just recently learned about where it came from, <laughs> like like literally a couple months ago. And he was like telling, I forget someone who, who asked uh, where the name came from. And then I was like, oh, Mike made it up. And I just thought he just made it up. And then he tells the story and is like, oh, that was the first time I ever heard that. <laughs> so... Um... I know you both just mentioned you had met while you're working over at IBM. And um, because I'm a recruiter by trade, my specialty is stalking people on LinkedIn. And I noticed both of you are still working <laughs> full time, it looks like. How has that been, that balancing act been um, of just working full time and also doing game development? Uh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's been like the timeline on this project? Because I, I know you're aiming to get it out, at least early access July. But when, when did this start in Inception? Um, I think technically it started like, I say technically, like, I think Mike and I kind of slowly kicked things off four years ago, um, but it was pretty slow. And then I think like a lot of projects, um, the pandemic happened and we found ourselves with like way more time based on, uh, saving on commuting and all this other stuff. Um, I also think I finished up like grad school around then too. So, um, then we, yeah, I think just focused way more on it then and um and that's that's been the, the real brunt of the work nice yeah and then yeah i mean i'm, I'm blown away with all the progress you guys have made doing both i mean it's so impressive so what once the, i mean once we do hit release right i know i think i saw you're planning to be in early access for about a year um, i'm not really sure how like steam works as far as like the money you get from that or whatever in early access versus full release but once you are fully released and this game is fully out there formally for the world what's the hope are you hoping to work on more side projects or take this more full-time work on other projects start getting publishers on board yeah i'll let mike kick that off first and then I'll, i've been hogging <laughs> yeah uh i mean ideally i think you know um like you know, probably most or many people uh, being able to kind of do something that you're passionate about is is a kind of full time gig. Um, I, that would be kind of the ideal scenario where that happens or not. You know, I guess we'll we'll find out. But um, you know, if, if the if it does well, people like it. It's received well. You know, we like to try to explore. Um, you know, what other options we have in terms of um, you know getting it on different platforms and things like that. Um, and I, I suppose we'd go from there. Um, you know, there's no like immediate plans for. Um, picking up any other uh, sort of projects or anything. I know we've, we've kind of had those discussions a little bit like, hey, I get this idea for, you know, this this kind of thing. But like, it's not like for us, we're not prioritizing that at all. It's not even like just kind of a thing other than just, hey, Chris, I had this cool idea and like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe in a couple of years or whatever, we'll, we'll do something <laughs> with it. But, um, yeah. So I think that's that's kind of maybe where we're, where we're at and, you know. Nice. I will say, you know, taking a look at the game um, with the balance that you guys have had to strike with, you know, obviously working full time and being an indie dev team with you two, um, the game looks extremely well polished and looks shows really, really, really well. Obviously, we've like Matt said, we found it just on social media. It was enticing enough to reach out to you guys and, and really take a deep dive here. Now, the, the style of the game, I think, is so unique. Uh, how would you guys describe the aesthetic of the game? to an audience that's never seen this sort of aesthetic before. And how did you guys land on this? Yeah, this was a discussion between Mike and I pretty early on, and we stuck with this kind of like what we call postmodernism, or not what we call, but um, postmodernism pixel art kind of style. Uh, we drew like a lot of inspiration from 
I'd say like the 60s, 70s sort of look of um, not games, but even just like aesthetics in terms of like color palette and choice. Um, and so that's kind of like what really drove um, the aesthetics there. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I think there's, um, you know, there's the other aspect of it, too, is, you know, because when we first started, it was just strictly, you know, pixel art, um, as you were saying, on a top down 2D pixel art. Uh, at some some point in there, um, I kind of just like had this idea of like popping it out, uh, essentially making it 3D, adding 3D of, like lighting effects and particle effects and things like that and trying to kind of blend the, the styles. I know, I mean, it is something that's done. Uh, a lot more commonly nowadays um, but yeah just kind of taking those ideas and just evolving them over time I think and and specifically a bear running around with a gun a cute plushy like bear how, how did we how did we get there cute but deadly, cute but deadly. Uh, I think I think that's like something I really appreciate is cute cute things but that are it's a slightly off-putting but in you know in an endearing way um and so um the backstory behind the bear though is is a kid imagining this world Uh, it's it's their teddy bear and so it's this kid going through uh just growing up and how the kids interpret life around them so a lot of puns um a lot of creativity a lot of things that might lack context because that's how kids are so yeah um, yeah i was gonna yeah. say who's who's taking the lead on the puns because these are pretty great roctopus uh, <laughs> uh battery to- totally uh yeah, to- yeah. <laughs> i caught some of those who's, who's taking the lead on that i i think it's pretty evenly split i feel yeah. like sometimes one of us gets a creative like charge and then pumps a bunch of them out and then the other one takes it or we just build off of each other or something like that. What were you going to say, Mike? No, I was just going to say, yeah, it might be, uh, you know, like watching TV or something about uh, something about animals or something. And then, you know, they, somebody says something. And it just occurs to me how like, oh, that's like you could break that word apart and like it's a pun. Or somebody might tell me like a, a really bad joke and like the punchline is, is like just some terrible pun. And it's like, oh, that that could be a you know enemy or something so i mean there, there's this the the enemies that are in there we have you know kind of behind the scenes a, a great big list of just tons and tons of different ones that eventually will will work in there but i think there's, a, there's just tons of you know good ones and of course these were accumulated over you know the, the three or four years i've been working on it too so yeah. great awesome so and honestly i might be mixing up my definitions of rogue light and roguelike here so if i am and this question doesn't make sense tell me off that's fine yeah, i'm <laughs> but, out of here <laughs> uh, but uh, i was watching an interview with you guys from pax east and you know typically from what i understand roguelites will have some sort of even if you do lose most of your stuff upon starting a new run some form of continuation whether that's like a health boost or upgrade or something like that but something that I have noticed was that you have a feature called um, Calamity, which is upon dying, upon restart, or upon when you beat a boss, you get a new Calamity added, which is essentially like an extra layer of difficulty added onto the game. How did you guys land on that feature? I, again, like like what I said in the beginning, we really wanted to add like progression and player choice and planning into it. And so I, I think um, one aspect of that or like one experiment with it was like well what if like instead of the enemy just scaling and getting difficult it was like what if the player had a choice in that and so each time you beat a boss the player uh is presented with you know in a roguelike fashion or roguelike fashion um three different choices it's usually three and then it's just three different ways that the world gets harder and the player can balance that with maybe how their run's going if it's going uh, poor in, in a particular system or way, they can try to, um, you know, minimize that or maximize it somewhere else and, and play to their strengths, play, uh, play to their weaknesses, things like that. Yeah, one, one way to look at it too is, you know, it's it's a way to, so like when you play through these types of games, typically like the further you progress, the harder they get. But this is giving you the choice, you know, of how to, you know, you, you decide in what ways it gets harder. So, you know, typically it might be, just kind of universally you know there's more enemies they have more health they you know take more bullets to to kill um and so this is allowing you to actually pick and choose as you progress through the game in you know which which different levels and how you want those things to 
occur. Um, and you know, there's basic stuff like increasing health or increasing um, spawn chances and things like that. But there's there's some you know other things in there too, like losing certain abilities or uh, decreasing you know loot and just kind of all sorts of different ways uh, that the game can get harder. So it's not just solely uh, enemy based. Nice. I think Very I cool. came across the the original concept in um, the game Wildermyth. I think is mm-hmm. the name. I, I forget okay. what it was, but yeah, they they had a component. It may even be called calamities as well. But they had a system where again you would like introduce these different elements that made the game more difficult. Um, I was like that that'd be really neat to do in a roguelite setting. So gotcha. <clears throat> I had a question for you guys. So in terms of the genre, now that we're kind of on the subject of roguelikes, roguelites. Um, there's feels like the last several years, this generation, there's just been an awesome, awesome slew of, of these types of games coming around and um, really evolving the genre, taking it to new sort of aesthetics and new heights. Where do you guys personally think that the genre is headed? Do you think we're, you know, evolving constantly? Do you think we're stagnating a little bit? There's a oversaturation. How do you guys feel about the genre itself? That's a good question. I think I hope it's evolving. I hope that more ideas, because there's been some really great ideas that have been coming out recently. Just just recently, I got uh, tape to tape. And I was talking to Mike about this recently, but like, um, I mean, just having like you know, and I grew up playing like all the, the like the NHL games and things like that. But just you know, throwing a roguelike element into a hockey game was was such a like cool original idea for me i was like oh that's that's really neat so like seeing more of those elements provided i i like it, it personally i write i i like roguelikes developing them because i think um it's very indie friendly for like smaller teams to to they don't have to invest in a huge amount of resources they don't have to invest in a like keep the project hidden for so long and then get like pay play testers or something like that you can kind of like release it to the public get people's thoughts and then the game isn't spoiled like you can keep iterating on it because like that's the design of roguelites is to replay it retry it um so hopefully it's here to stay and here to improve and iterate because i think um it's a good formula yeah yeah i don't think um you know you're i I don't necessarily think it's like oversaturated i think a lot of the the stuff that's coming out you are seeing a lot of uh you know innovation and and like you know chris said tape to tape it's like you know hockey in this kind of roguelite roguelike type you know environment um and just mixing all sorts of different ideas and and genres and i you know you're seeing a lot of that and you didn't see that um you know years ago and um i think it's pretty pretty good some of the stuff that you're seeing come out so yeah I agree. No, I agree with you guys. I think uh, the genre is just somehow only getting better and better and better, even though it's such a old school kind of, you know, traditional and old school type of way of doing things with games. It seems to just have a complete resurgence, which has been awesome to see for sure. Absolutely. And then one more question for me, something, you know, I think part of the reason like in particular, for example, Hades was so successful, like was such a kind of, I think stand out and really drew in a lot of people that may not touch a roguelite typically, right? I think part of the reason that was was it just had such a it also had a very clear like story attached to it that progressed very clearly through each level, which was kind of, or each I guess um, reset run. Yeah. run, right? Thank you, Lucas. <laughs> I cannot find the word uh, that reset through each run that made it um, attractive to a lot of gamers in general. Is there any is there any sort of like overarching story in in Barry that is similar to that? Or similar to how they told that story, I guess. I think in early access, we won't touch on it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but during early access, like from the player's perspective, we won't touch on it. Uh, but during early access, I think a lot of what Mike and I are going to be doing is one, finishing the game with the player feedback in mind that we're getting in early access, but two, trying to figure out how to like kind of include more of those story elements at least from what our perspective is i described it before as right. like this is a kid's imagination um and in their their interpretation on the world um and so we would like to do it but you know i'll i'll, I'll be honest it's not going to be hades level that's for sure but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah that's a well-established studio i mean you yeah, i think yeah, yeah. i think i mean for what you guys already have together which is the two of you, you know i think it's pretty incredible so yeah, yeah. yeah. nothing to scoff at yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, 
cool. So um, last thing for me too. So in terms of what our listeners can do to uh, support the cause, I know wishlisting is always a huge thing on Steam. Uh, what else uh, would you guys uh, like to get out of the TFP audience for this uh, this interview? Uh, feedback is always amazing. Um, you know, any way you can do it, like uh, Steam forums, Discord's huge. We've got uh, a decent an uh, active discord um and then um yeah i mean just playing our game like when we will we'll be releasing demos soon and nice. obviously going into early access um uh july 27th so uh supporting us there would be phenomenal nice nice yeah it is wishlisted on my end matt hopefully it's wishlisted uh, on your you. end too <laughs> of course um, of course be checking it out for Appreciate sure it. um yeah, yeah, of course, and um, we'll we'll be we'll be plugging the game for uh, the TFP squad on our end, and um, I honestly I think there's a lot of people um, in our own Discord that would just love to to check the game out too, uh, definitely. I love it, and then uh, Mike and Chris, if you want to be found online, where can the people find you? That's a great question. Or do we have to there. stalk your LinkedIn like me? Yeah, you have to stalk <laughs> our LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, our Twitter is at. Daylight basement, but it's like uh, because the characters don't fit, you have to do D A Y L I T E basement. <laughs> <laughs> and then RBA get probably the easier way is rbagame.com is a good way to follow all of our socials and things like that. So cool. Yeah, awesome. Discord. Um, I don't think either one of us are particularly active um, on our own on like Twitter or anything like that. So yeah, awesome. So the Discord too discord yeah perfect perfect love it awesome everyone well thanks for tuning in everyone and this has been thanks for playing catch you next time thanks for playing is a production of good ideas only your hosts are lucas luna and matt rockaby our music was done by the impeccable samuel luna and our logo design was done by the talented isaac palestino Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle. 